Hello and welcome to Music Makers San Diego, where we shine the light on local songwriters and their music. Brought to you by Writers Round San Diego, a place where San Diego songwriters come together every Monday night at Park and Rec, presented by Acoustic Spot and hosted by Story and Tune. Visit writersroundsd.com for more info. I'm your host, Gary Lee. My guest today is Johnny Tarr. Welcome, Johnny. Hi, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I saw you perform last week at uh, Rebel Fest, which was a really cool event out yeah. in uh, Hamul with Joshua Taylor and The Unseen, also Jeff Berkeley performing. And I got to say, man, you were fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, I think I'm just very lucky that uh, I've got some of the best players in San Diego in the band, and um, they, they make it easy for me. Basically. Right, it was, yeah. your, uh, it was the Johnny Tar Quintet. The Johnny Tar Quintet, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Now, you're originally from Wales, right? I'm from a city called Cardiff in Wales, yeah. And um, I, I moved around a little bit, but I've, I've been in uh, San Diego for coming up for 12 years now. And what, what was it like growing up over there? In, what was it like in growing Wales? up? Um, yeah. Mostly wet. Yeah. It, it, like where I'm rains from, rain, rains probably the most in Europe ever. Um, but it, it, it was. Um, it, it was it was very cosmopolitan actually the city I'm from uh, Cardiff was um, a very major port and as a result our, our city is very uh, multiracial multicultural we were exposed to a lot of different types of music and uh, languages and cultures and you know food and so it's, it's actually a very uh, um, melting pot city where I'm from so I grew up kind of. Uh, Listening to we listened to a lot of American music. I was particularly into jazz as a young guy, okay. and um, you know America was always kind of the the promised land. And then when I when I got a little bit older, I was a very serious skateboarder. So we'd come on tours to California, which is the mecca, you know, the mecca of skateboarding. So um, I, I I kind of always had an eye on maybe moving here when I was older. But uh, where I, I could have grown up in a very much worse place, it was great. It was all right. It was good. It was fun. Growing so, up there was fun, yeah. Were you into the Beatles? Um, you talk well, about jazz, that, that was, was your main I was, thing. I was quite um, a big Beatles fan, actually. Um, a young friend of mine, I was, I was very much a saxophone player as a kid, but um, a young friend of mine was a guitarist, songwriter, and he was very much into the Beatles, and he got me into the Beatles probably the age of six or seven. And um, I actually happened to go to uh, Paul McCartney's music school in Liverpool for my degree. That's where I did my music degree. So, uh, it, it, you know, you can't get away from the Beatles in Liverpool. Yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. No, no, you can't, no. <laughs> and I, I never knew that Paul McCartney had a, a school there. Yeah, that's right. It was actually, um, if legend is correct, it was the art school where he met John Lennon. Oh, and, okay. um and it became it was derelict all the way through the 80s, 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, and then in, in the mid 90s, he, he, he put money into restoring the building and it became a performing arts college. Did so he, he, uh, he ever come to the school? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, he, he, he handed me my degree. Oh, I, did he really? I got it from him, yeah. Oh, nice. And we also had... The, we, he did actually give a couple of uh, uh, lessons, class lessons, to the year above me. But by that time, that was the, the first year of intake. And by that time, he'd kind of, like, got interested in other projects. So he never actually taught me personally. But I did have lessons from George Martin. Oh, wow. Which was, in a way, more important, you know, for production and right, songwriting and things like that, you know, because I was actually only really a major fan of the Beatles' music after George Martin became involved and they started doing, like, albums like Rubber Soul and Revolver uh -huh. and, the, you know, the, the more um, studio-based ones. So that was where my love for the Beatles uh, became apparent to me. 
I got to see the Beatles at Shea Stadium in New York. Right? Did you really? That yeah. one, wasn't that, that? That was their last one, right? Their the last, last one, one, 1966. Wow. The last well, one. Well, you're a lucky guy then, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> got to see. It. They played for like a half hour. That was about it. Wow. Yeah. But uh, how 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 different is the music scene there compared to here? Massively, 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 massively different. Um, First of all, it's more, it's much easier to make a living as a musician here. It's really hard in the UK, really hard. Um, part of the reason why I moved here, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but the music scene there for like, the hipsters are kind of into like electronic, more, it's more electronic, like electronic, but not in kind of like all uh, like dance music, DJ stuff. It's more like electronically produced, sample based kind of. Uh, that's what people nerd out on there. And that's where I, that's what I came from. And I kind of transferred it into this American situation where um, what I do, I think, is a little bit different to the people around me simply because of where I grew up and how mm -hmm. I learned music and how I studied it. But um, here, music is, uh, it's more, I don't really know, I, I, I mean, it's hard to, to describe, but it's more kind of like songy and, and, and kind of band orientated like what the scene I came out of I was very was very much like producer orientated mm -hmm. but here it's more musicians to getting together and kind of doing things together a little bit more and obviously being music it's always shifting a lot right and they were always cross fertilizing each other you know American scene and, and the European and British scene but um the scene I came from is hugely different to the scene I find myself in here not saying there's one or good or bad, it's just that right. they're very much different, culturally massively, massively different, you know. Before I moved here, I had no real conception of how big country music is, none whatsoever. Like, it, it, I, I, I didn't think it was quite as huge as it is at all. Not so, that big over there. N no, not, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Like, you wouldn't, it just, I guess it doesn't translate, is the way, you, <laughs> is the way you'd put it. Now, you're a, you're a multi-instrumentalist. I, um, I play a couple of things just about well enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a guitar with you today and saxophone. Mm -hmm. what, what's your favorite? My favorite to play, <clears throat> well, my favorite thing to do is sing, um, if, if you want to call that an instrument. Um, but playing-wise, I, I, I think I have the most, uh, the most fun with the guitar. And if I was to learn an instrument first now, go back and start everything again, I'd learn the guitar first and have that be my first instrument because I'm still, like we're all still learning on instruments, obviously, right? But this is the one that, which I find kind of most useful to me, maybe. Um, and so I'm still trying to learn to get better on this. My piano playing is functional at best. And I just <laughs> got a piano player in my band because it was like I was firing samples, picking up the sax, and it was like flying a space shuttle. So I kind of handed that off <laughs> to someone and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made because it's so, le so much less stress now but um i'd say the guitar is my favorite at the moment but it that, that could change that, that shifts around right <laughs> yeah and and you started playing what the saxophone at, at the age of 11 about 11 yeah yeah i had i had piano lessons when i was about seven for a few months but i would get left at the piano teacher's house and and she was a really really elderly lady and her house was really dark and gloomy so i find it i found it quite scary <laughs> so i kind of stopped piano lessons quite uh, quite early on but then when i was about 11 yeah 11 coming up to 12 i started getting interested in girls you know i was like right what's mm, what's going to saxophone that'll be it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well pretty much i think sometimes even back you know when you're thinking of those things yeah 
I think just being a musician, probably. Just being a musician, yeah. I, I think I'd, 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 I'd made friends with this guy who became a really big influence on me. He had actually happened to be exactly the same age as me, but his dad was an opera singer, and he'd been playing the sax since about f the age of five and stuff. He was already amazing. He's, like, one of the best sax players you'll ever see. He lives out in uh, Czech Republic now, like Oshan Roberts. But he was a huge influence on me, and I saw him play, and I was just like, oh, I'm in love with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that, cool. that guy's cool. So I think it was more, it was more him than right. anything else that made me really want to pursue the saxophone, I think. Now you're going to play three original songs for us today. What's the first one? The first one's going to be called Why Don't You Wait. All right. Any, yeah. uh, any backstory to it? Or? The backstory is... Um, how honest can I be? As honest as you want. Yeah, right. Well, the, this, this is a song about when you're a teenager and you start experimenting with acid, right? And the first two hours of your first acid trip are amazing. And then the next five hours are just like, oh, God, I wish this had stopped. Right. That's what this song's about. Okay. And it's called Why Don't You Wait. Yeah, I'm still 
I assume you feel safe. I assume you feel safe from the supernova. Watch the sky. It's making me sober. Show for this Um, after you uh, got your music degree, mm -hmm. you did some touring, didn't you? You toured Japan. I did a little bit. Yeah, I did. We we did a little tour of Japan. There was this, um, I was playing saxophone in a, a band called the Part Time Heroes uh, back in London, and um, they put together a little tour of Japan uh, just to do um, a festival and uh, another little secret gig. I mean, I call it a tour because it was a place I always wanted to go, so I always say it was a tour. And I'd go back to Japan anytime. But some of the other touring we did uh, was around Europe with my first band out of out of college. And then um, I actually did. Um, I ended up playing sax in. There's a San Diego uh, Pink Floyd tribute called uh, Pink Freud. I don't know if you uh -huh. know him. Yeah. And I, I play sax and sing in that band. And uh, we ended up um, supporting Foreigner in 2019 um, all the way through Canada. And we all, our job was to uh, play Dark Side of the Moon before Foreigner played, so it was like, it's like a 42 minute album. So we did 42 minutes work a night. It was amazing. Wow. It was just amazing. And it was the first time I'd been on a proper tour bus and had people just like set your stuff up and all you had to do was get on stage and play. It was just the most wonderful experience. Yeah. I can't <laughs> recommend it enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, how old were you when you were doing those tours? Uh, I was, I think I turned 42 on that tour. So I'm 46 now. And uh, you also shared the stage once with uh, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Well, actually, I wasn't actually on the stage with him, oh. but I was in. I was in the Horn Pit. Like we, it was like oh, this. Okay. Uh, it was this charity thing that he did um, for. Uh, I think it was for dog rescue. Actually, I think he's like a big dog lover, and they did. Um, he did a big charity thing, and it was like a, you know, like the Letterman band or whatever. We had like a, right. a band, and I was I was the, in the sax player in the sax uh, the sax section, and uh, he came on and did his did his thing, played his song, and he just pointed at me like do a solo. I was like <laughs> wicked, because <laughs> I was like easily the worst horn player in that section. <laughs> like they were have all like, him, have him to point to you, and huh? he pointed at me like do a solo. I was like wicked. I've done a solo for. ZZ Top. <laughs> I mean, that was that was really good fun, fun experience. That was yeah. And, and I read that you were one of the first people in Europe to play the saxophone with uh, yeah. house music DJs. Yeah, I I I think there was one guy I know 
from London who was doing it before me. But then I do. I went out. In, I went out to Ibiza and did a bit of it. And um, like in 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 the Spanish islands, which is like it's this massive house music kind of community. So I went out and did that. And yeah, I've been I've been doing it a long time. And now it's kind of like. Every other DJ, every other house DJ's got a sax player with them, and I feel, I, I honestly feel like I was one of the first doing it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because I was like, I was doing all like jazz club and stuff like that, which is like, these kids they practice ten hours a day, and I just had, didn't have the the brain space for that, and I I just thought, well, you know, jazz, there's jazz club because in in the UK, right. Jazz clubs like the kids who play chess. Do you know what I mean? Here, jazz clubs cool. It's cool people, but in the UK, it's guys, it's guys who do like Lego and chess, right? <laughs> so I was like, hang on a second. Yeah. All the girls are dancing to that DJ. You know what I mean? They're all over there dancing with that DJ. Why don't I go and ask him if I can play with him a little bit? Because I knew enough. I knew enough to play to any key, and I knew enough to. I knew the scales that work over all, all the chords and stuff. So I was like, why don't I give that a go? And it kind of just took off. It was like I was doing it every weekend for years. And and is that where your your Love, I guess, maybe that's not the right word, um, love of dance music, because that's pretty much what, what 100%, you play. 100%. That's where it came from. It came from, you know, just like socializing, clubbing, getting, you know, just being out, out, out and just out all night with, with my friends at college and stuff like that. And, you know, that's what we danced to. That's what we dance all night to until the sun came up. And, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a music degree and I understand music theory and, I, I you know, I, I write songs, but... That is definitely holds a, a massive place in my heart. Is that electronic uh, electronic community and that four to the floor beat, is is a big thing that I I've incorporated in a lot of my own music. Uh, you're listening to Music Makers San Diego, brought to you by Writers Round San Diego. We're talking with Johnny Tar today. Uh, Johnny, what's the next song? The next song is actually uh, my latest single, which is just up on Spotify uh, on Pacific Records, San Diego's Pacific Records, and it's called The Rules. Uh, whenever you're ready. All right. Quick in me, it's been 
down the middle Cause you're a stone killer and I can't breathe You're the web spinner and now I'm deep in it I can't breathe free Whoa, 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 whoa Take it to the earth again No, no, no your uh, music degree and understanding music theory, how did that help you get to where you are today in your career? Oh, it's it's m- been massive, massive, massive help because, um, first of all, being able to transcribe songs is really, really important, you know, because when I first moved to the States, I had uh, I'd promised myself I'm never going to do my own original music again. It's too hard, too heartbreaking, too much of a struggle. I'm just going to earn a living as a musician. So music theory was quite a big part of that, like being able to transcribe horn parts to go and play uh, sax in bands or be able to transcribe the chords and, and the parts for songs I was going to go do as covers at corporate events, weddings, whatever it might be. Um, also, uh, within within my own songwriting, it's, it, it's a huge thing. Um, I think a balance of both is really important, ear training, practice and, and theory. But if, I mean, it, it just 
it's another language and it, it's really handy to have as a musician and also it's it's good for you to be able to describe in terms that it are universal to people who are trained what you need for them to play or understand what they need for you to play. I think uh, music theory has been incredibly, incredibly helpful. Do you consider yourself more a, a singer-songwriter than an instrumentalist, multi-instrumentalist? Now, now I do. Up until I was probably about 25, I would have told you I was a sax player. Uh, but I've always sung. I'm from Wales. We all sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, then after that, I would have said I was a, a, a sort of singer, multi-instrumentalist. I was a looper then for a while. And it's it's probably, you know, since probably the last 15 years, I'd say I was a songwriter. And now I'm, I'm, I'm taking actual real proper mixing pr production and mastering classes once a week, have been for about a year and a half. So now I, I consider myself a producer, I guess. Mm. So it's gone through a bit of a... Different stages Metamorphosis, yeah. 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 Um, when it comes to songwriting... Mm. Uh, what's your songwriting process like? Okay, so um, what I'll do these days is I'll get on, I use the DAW Digital Audio Workshop, DAW, because um, when I say that to people, they go DAW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so D-A-W. Um, I use Logic, which is Apple's um, DAW. And uh, what I'll do first off is I'll get on and I'll just put a drum beat out for 120 bars. I'll pick a drum beat. And I'll put it up for 120 bars and then I'll, I'll go looking through a bunch of synths or piano sounds or whatever, find a sound that interests me and either make a bass line or make chords, make some different sections. So I've got it kind of mapped out in two or three sections before I start. I'll, it's usually the, li the lyrics and vocals that come last. They always come last because I, I kind of try and feel inspiration from what the, the, the beat and the, the chords are telling me. That's how I write songs now. Do you have any specific theme or anything that you like to write about? Or is it um, just whatever comes to your mind? It's usually what's been bugging me that week. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment it is, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I've, I've written songs about breakups. I've written songs about... I've written quite a lot of songs about, about breakups, actually. Um, do you know what? It's usually about people I know. You know, whether it's good or bad, I try to make it positive, but uh -huh. it's, it's usually uh, about feelings I have for a certain person or, or someone in my life. That last song, actually, weirdly, was one written in a kind of totally, like, what would this situation be like for somebody? It wasn't personal, that last one, the rules. But most songs are per personal in some way, yeah. And that last song you did play, you said that's your uh, latest single? That's the latest single. It's just Is that on, on an album, too? It, no, the album's not done yet. I've got, I've got about five songs done for the album. It's going to be a 10-track album, I've decided, because I'm a big fan of a guy called Lewis Taylor from the UK, a, a neo-soul artist, um, who... Uh, he, he, he's one of the reasons I started writing songs, actually, and he didn't write a, uh, an album for something like 20 years, and he's just come out with another one, and it has 10 tracks on it. So I'm like, if it's good enough for Lewis Taylor, it's good I'll have 10 you. on it. Because they're <laughs> usually, what, 11, 12, 13, 14 tracks sometimes, aren't they? Yeah. I'm like, Lewis, Lewis thinks it's all right. Me and Lewis will do 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the third song you can play for? Uh, the third song I hadn't even thought about. Do you know what? I'm going to do a song called Move Yourself, which is... Uh, the title song from my first studio album, Move Yourself. This is about going to the disco and meeting ladies. That's what this All is right. about, yeah. All right. All right, let's have it.
You gotta be, gotta be coordinated to what you do, to do what you do. Because I'm sitting here watching you with the looper pedal, playing the guitar, the uh, saxophone. It's, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's a, a lot of practice. It's, I've spent a lot of time on these 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 machines. Um, you know, it, the, the, the loop a loop pedal has basically paid my rent and paid my mortgage since I moved to this country. So, you know, I spend I probably spend an average, maybe 15 hours a week playing these things. So I do I do I do like maybe not that much, maybe maybe tw 10 or 12 hours, but I do like three or four gigs, three or four three-hour gigs a week on one of these things. Um, Plenty of practice. But yeah, I mean, it, it really, really helps if you wrote the song yourself. So, you know, you know where the, the drops and the chords and the uh -huh. changes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, my first album was pretty much written on a loop pedal. 
And uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of practice. But what I try and challenge myself to do when I'm playing them is not look at them. So it looks like, because I think I, I, I see a lot of people using them or with iPads and they're just buried in their iPad and buried in their uh -huh. loop pedal. And it just really cuts you off from the, from the audience. So I've tried to chain, train myself to know where they are. So I, they have to be set. That's why they're on a board like that, because they're, they're in the exact same position all the time. So I know where... Right. My toes need to go, sort of thing. So, so yeah, it's just practice. But I mean, yeah, you got you got to put the hours in. But I just I like it, and I'm always trying to improve improve the setup as well. So there's always new things to kind of get get my head around. Tell us about the new album. A little bit more about the new album. Uh, any idea when that might come out? Yes, uh, we're planning that it's going to be out f uh, sometime in February next year. Um, this uh, is going to be my second album for Pacific Records. The first one came out during COVID, and I was actually back in the UK for a year during COVID, um, so wasn't able to promote it. Wasn't able, there weren't any venues open to be able to do that anyway. Right. So this, in some ways, is kind of my first album for Pacific Records, and hopefully we're going to get some proper promotion on it i'm i'm going to be employing a, a a proper legitimate publicist publicist for it so yeah it, I, i'm really going to push this one it's um it's called it's going to be called the rules um mm -hmm. 10 tracks like we said i'm in the middle of writing producing mixing and mastering it hopefully mastering the next few myself um so it's going to be you know prince is a big i'm a big 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 fan of prince and he did pretty much everything he could he could on his records and right. that's always better the, the guy lewis taylor i was telling you about as well amazing songwriter amazing voice production he could do all the engineering uh piano guitar played the bass probably played the drums i don't i don't know but that that's what i've always sort of aimed at that's been like the, the pipe dream sort of thing uh so this album is going to be as much set, like all my own work as possible um and yeah, I'm just in, in, in my garage where my studio is nearly every day, putting touches to it and learning more and learning what compressors do and learning what, you know, proper EQ does and all, all, all the, fine, the finer things that all sound engineers uh, tell me off about all the time. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something to look forward to, that's yeah. for sure. Um, how can people find out more about you, find out where you're performing? Right, well, um, I'd really appreciate it if people went and gave my stuff a listen on Spotify. You just uh, put search my name, Johnny Tar, no, H in Johnny, two R's in Tar. Um, I'm up on YouTube with plenty of videos of me and the band, some promotional stuff, a video I did for the last album out in the Joshua Tree Desert with a company called Disco Riot, who are a dance company who uh, I'm, I write music for, and they came and provided some of their dancers to be in the video. Um, uh, so so there's some great videos, great stuff, but it's the Spotify thing that I'd really appreciate people went and had a look at. And also, I've got a gig in L.A. for the first time. <laughs> I don't know why it's the first L.A. gig I've got after being in the States for so long, but it's going to be on the 15th of September at The Mint in L.A. Oh, great place. Yeah, so we're, really playing, nice we're playing there on the 15th, yeah. All right, uh, yeah. Johnny, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. It has been a real treat, man. Really enjoyed well, it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I could come and fill in last minute, and I'll come and do it anytime. Thanks so much. Great, and I'll be checking your calendar so I can uh, catch another show of yours. Please do, mate. I'd love to see you there, yeah. That does it for another episode of Music Makers San Diego, brought to you by Writers Round San Diego, a place where San Diego songwriters come together every Monday night at Park and Rec, presented by Acoustic Spot and hosted by Story and Tune. Visit writersroundsd.com for more info. Till next time, I'm Gary Lee. Have a good one.